Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every week, we interview thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. It's www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome in this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today my guest is Jason Bay, who is Chief Prospecting Officer, so basically CPO at Blissful Prospecting. So welcome to the show, Jason. I'm glad to be here, man. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too, actually. Really, uh, I mean, you're the guy who uh, who's done the uh, the tour, you know, like the sales tour. So something really, really interesting. We see you popping everywhere. So I'm pretty happy to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, today we'll, we're going to talk about prospecting plays. So you basically like you're living these things. You, you're really good at prospecting. I see all the stuff you're doing, like all the, the tips you're giving. So I'm super excited to to interview on that. But before we dive in, can you maybe present yourself? Tell us a bit more about you and your background. Yeah. So I got started in sales, what, 12 years ago now. So I'm 31. So my first job, uh, we call it college here. You guys probably call it university out there. Yeah. Um, I went door to door selling house painting services. Mm -hmm. So I've always kind of been the cold calling, cold uh, outreach you know, type, type of person. And doing that helped me kind of learn how to interact with people that don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And it helps you real quick get over the fear of rejection when you have to do it in person because you'll just never make it, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, in a job like that, right? So I learned a couple really important lessons during that though that definitely apply to B2B. And one was when I tried to sell house painting services to someone at their door, that didn't work as well as just saying, hey, no, you're probably you know, pretty busy. How about we schedule a time to do an estimate later, mm -hmm. like this weekend or next weekend, right? So selling the meeting and a conversation versus trying to talk a lot about the product or service. Yeah. The other thing that I learned too that was really interesting is if I was in a neighborhood where a lot of houses needed painting, because a lot of you know the paint was peeling or whatever it might be, those actually weren't very good places for me to go door to door with my team. Mm -hmm. And what I learned there is that just because there's a need doesn't mean that it's something that people care about or can't afford. Yeah, and that's really interesting too when you start to think about you know, the businesses that you're targeting, just because they could use your product or service doesn't mean that they're a good fit for it or that they care, mm -hmm. you know, about those things. So that's how I kind of got started. I worked with that company six or seven years. And what I did there towards the end was start an outbound call center where we had 15 reps and a call center manager. And again, that was like cold calling inside sales style. Mm -hmm. And I left them in 2014 to start consulting and doing my own thing. And we started Blissful Prospecting because I just saw this huge need with people that I was doing outbound to saying, Hey, that was a cool cold email you sent me, Jason, you know, can you do that for me? Mm -hmm. And that's how we got started with blissful prospecting was doing the prospecting for people. I've written hundreds of email sequences for clients and tested a bunch of different stuff. And uh, now we focus primarily on coaching and training, you know, so teaching the frameworks, you know, for people to effectively engage prospects through LinkedIn, email, uh, you know, cold calling and all that good stuff. Okay. 
So you were, you were, you actually, I, when I, I was doing my studies in Canada and I remember I was looking for jobs in summer and there was this painting uh, thing. So it seems to be very common in North America. So you seriously, yeah. you stayed there for what, four years? Yeah. So okay. I worked with them as they call it an intern the first year. So mm -hmm. I, it was like a part-time job in the spring, full-time over the, over the summer. And then the rest of college, I was a, a manager for them. So I would hire other students and teach them how to run a business. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of door-to-door, -door, but a lot of it was like, how do you get people to do this for you? You yeah. know, so you can focus on selling and then you hire people to do the painting for you too. So it's kind of like running a franchise essentially. Okay. And then after college, I became their marketing director. Okay. So that's where for three years, that was the outbound you know, call center, I learned SEO, pay-per-click, landing page. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about this stuff, mm -hmm. right? I had to learn from scratch. And this is back, you know, when, you know, it wasn't quite as easy to use like Feedly or Pocket to, you know, gather online, you know, blogs and stuff. So mm -hmm. I had binders like this thick <laughs> of yeah. like blog posts that I printed out off of uh, websites, man. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty crazy. That's crazy. You know, just, to, yeah, I remember like uh, I, I bought something where, I had to actually do sales when I was studying. I think it was, uh, now it was above, yes, seven, eight years ago. And I bought like, uh, you know, a book that was called Cold Calling is Dead or something like that, which obviously was not. And, uh, you know, like the guy was excellent at kind of doing online funnel. I bought that for 99 euro and uh, 99 dollars. And I was like, okay, so that's, that's how you get knowledge. But now we get so much knowledge. It's so easy to actually capture this knowledge and, uh, and you know, like save the information without having to print it we sometimes forget how easy it is now and how tough it was just five years ago, basically. I know. Yeah. Like only five years ago, man. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's insane. I think the challenge now is there's so much knowledge out there. How do you, how, you know, how do you decipher between the good stuff and the bad stuff? Yeah. And then how do you learn things really quickly, which Tim Ferriss talks you know, a lot about accelerated learning, but there's a lot of principles there around just the 80, 20 rule. Like how do I, get to the meat of this content so I can get what I need to just understand it conceptually. Mm -hmm. And then I can get to the point where we're doing prospecting plays, for example, yeah. right? If you, if you run these plays and do these things and you don't have a good understanding of the psychology behind them or, you know, empathy for the people that you're reaching out to and like really understand who they are and what their challenges are, you know, just saying that, you know, these specific words, that doesn't work. There's no magic, yeah. you know, to this, this kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's interesting, man. Yeah, completely different challenges than like let's say our parents had. You yeah. know, if they did sales 20, yeah. 30 years ago when they were starting. Yeah, it's, it's super different actually. And uh, th there's something also about um, what I see now more than ever is that sales and marketing are kind of merging more and more. And if you want to be successful at prospecting yep. and getting people to to sit down and talk with you, you have to nail more than just like cold calling. You have to do more a few things. And so that brings me to the summer virtual tour that you've created. So um, I'd be curious to know about that, like how you got that together and uh, how basically like SDRs or people who are trying to book meetings uh, could get inspired for that. Yeah. So I came up with the idea because we wanted to really get a lot of content, good content on prospecting mm -hmm. in front of salespeople. And everyone's kind of already done the virtual summit thing, right? I mean, if, yeah. I, if I do a virtual summit, I'm competing now with companies like Outreach and Sales Loft and all these other companies. And I didn't want to do stuff that was pre-recorded. So I was trying to find a good balance of like, what makes this a win for not only me, but a win for the people participating, 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I heard reps say was like, hey, I want to actually participate in this. I don't want to show up to a pre-recorded webinar where they pretend that it's live and I don't get to interact with the people. And the speakers, what I heard was, well, hey, I want to do something where I'm not like talking in front of a computer screen that's pre-recorded with no audience, mm-hmm. where I don't get to interact with people. So I kind of took the balance of those things. And then the other thing I heard from you know, reps was, you know, I don't want, like, I don't want to get bombarded with 15 talks over two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much content. So basically the concept of the tour, my wife sort of inspired this idea, Sarah, was how do we kind of spread this out over the entire summer, you know, have 42 speakers, two or three talks a week and make it 100% focused on prospecting. And that's the goal here. So to get like really tactical with cold calling, cold email, LinkedIn, personal branding, everything that an SDR, BDR, or AE, or any full cycle salesperson is doing mm-hmm. uh, that requires you know prospecting. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's at tour.blissfulprospecting.com is where people can check it out. It's free mm-hmm. you know, to sign up and you know, to catch all the talks. Yeah. Is it, is it like uh, over yet or do you still have a few talks? Uh, we're going for another, at the time we're recording this, we're going for another like five weeks. Okay. So October okay. 8th is the last one and it's with Morgan Ingram actually. So we're, we're ending with a bang. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really yeah. nice. And, and, you know, having this focus on, um, on, on prospecting, I think is great because often sales is, is all over the place. And, um, and, and, you know, like, let's say if you're an SDR, you will see stuff about like leadership and then like uh, closing and everything. And you want to see something about what you can control. So I think it's great that you focused on that. So they say riches is in the niches or something like that. So yeah. that's, uh, you know, <laughs> I think that's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And you've also like um, created like prospecting place, um, mm-hmm. which is something I, re- I really think is super smart because a lot of time people share training content and everything, but not so much place. Can you maybe tell me more about that? Yeah. So this concept came from, you know, if I'm a, a rep and I have a pretty good foundation of prospecting, and what to do, you know, sitting through hours of content delivered by a trainer or having to consume hours of content to get something new and fresh to try with your cold calls, that's a big commitment these days, right? I mean, finding an extra two hours in your week when you could be spending that time prospecting is, is, is big. And that was just a complaint that I heard a lot about is like the training that I'm getting is not actionable. I don't get how to actually do this. Mm-hmm. So the prospecting plays, the concept of this was like how in 10 or 15 minutes could someone you know, watch a video of a top rep at a company saying, hey, when I make my cold calls, I use this opener. And it's something you can use immediately and test to see if it works for you or not. And that's the concept. It's bite-sized, actionable stuff that you can just start using immediately and testing. And it either works or it doesn't for you. But you have something quick that you can test with very, very low effort uh, to try it. Yeah, that's, that's super smart because I think now attention, our attention span has reduced massively and uh, we are just bombarded with to- so many things, uh, so much information here and there. And having something, as you said, simple, you know, you just watch a small video and you say, okay, I'm going to try that today. And then you try another one maybe the day after. It's super smart versus like just sitting, you know, in a room for eight hours and just listening to someone talking. So I think that's that's super smart. Like, uh, and so... What other, you know, like how many plays do you have? Do you, do you kind of like add new plays every day? How does it work there? Uh, I think we have like 60 or 70 in there right now. It's something that I'm adding to on a, like a weekly basis, actually. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, they come from a combination of a bunch of different places. So it's stuff that I have done to set appointments. Um, it's stuff that people that we interview. So we focus a lot on interviewing reps, you know, people actually out there every day prospecting 
things that they share that's working. And then, and then of course, our clients. Yeah. So anytime our clients find creative, different ways of doing stuff, uh, I always want to share, you know, those kind of things. So okay. yeah, it's like a library that I want to keep updating and, and all that stuff, man. Okay. Uh, that's, that's really cool. I really, I really like it. Um, and so, so around that, like, do you have maybe some example of plays you could share? Like one that really has a strong impact, like lately you've seen working well? Yeah. So yeah, I have seven of them here, man. So let me know, like, what I don't know what we have time for, but I'll get to the ones I think are the, are the okay. best ones yeah, um, and the easiest to implement. So the first one has to do with, you know, the psychology behind this is a person's natural desire for autonomy. So I think when we're selling, we think we have a lot more control over the prospect than we actually do. Like we can't force someone to take a meeting. And anytime we try to tell people what to do or don't allow them to opt into the experience, let's say when we cold call them, people tend to be very, very resistant and, and, and to be on guard. So this is a way that you can disarm people. So this is called a permission-based opener. Um, this is kind of a playoff. Sandler has like you know, upfront contracts, they call it. Uh, so this is not exactly like what they do, but it's a similar concept. And I call it yeah. permission-based openers. So the problem oftentimes is that when people pick up the phone, they kind of immediately tune out, you know, like getting their attention. Even if they say hello, as soon as you sound like a sales rep, they're like, okay, yeah, wait for you to stop talking and then I'm going to hang up. So what we tend to do as reps is we're like, oh, well, as soon as they pick up, we finally got someone on the phone. We got to get to our pitch as quickly as possible and tell them why we're calling. And what we can do instead is allow them to actually have a choice. So give up some control and have them uh, opt in to the experience. So there's a couple different ways that you can do that. One of them might sound like this. Uh, hey, T-Bob, Jason with Blissful Prospecting here. I know I probably caught you in the middle of something, but do you have about 30 seconds I can tell you why I'm calling and you let me know if you want to keep chatting? Yeah. That's one way that you can do it. Okay. Adam okay. Beaton from Lead IQ. Uh, I really like this. So you can come up with all kinds of different variations of how you like to do this. He says, hey, it's Adam from Lead IQ. I know you weren't expecting me. I'm just hoping to try to make your day with an awesome cold call if you got 30 seconds to start. Okay. Okay, I see. So there's a pattern interrupt in there also where you're trying to uh, to kind of like, make, you know, you can basically couple like the, uh, what do you call that, like permission-based opener with a pattern interrupt. That can yep. be also a good way to, uh, to, as you say, to opt in the experience. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So there's also ways that you can be more in the moment with this too. So let's say, yeah, I always recommend people cold call on Fridays, especially like early afternoon, because salespeople assume that, well, every it's Friday, like everyone's getting ready for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Why would they take a call? And because a lot of salespeople think that prospects actually get fewer calls during mm -hmm. those times. So okay. you could say, Hey, T-Bot with uh, Jason with Blissful Prospecting. Hey, I know it's Friday afternoon. You probably got a lot of fun stuff planned for the weekend. But while I have you, do you have a quick second? I can tell you why I'm calling. You let me know if you want to keep chatting. Yeah, okay. so being a little bit more yeah. in the moment, you know, with things like that too. Um, you could call people in the morning. Hey, I know you probably got a lot of meetings scheduled for this afternoon, which is why I'm calling you in the morning. Mm -hmm. But do you have a quick second? I can tell you why I'm calling. You let me know if you want to keep chatting. So there's all kinds of different variations of that that you can do yeah. that are fun. Those are a couple uh, that come to mind that people are using right now that work extremely well. This is like the easiest way um, to like get better results from your cold calling almost yeah. immediately. As soon as okay. you start doing this, you're going to have a lot of success with at least getting people to listen to you yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, I really like it. I've received a bunch of cold calls like that. And when people are, um, you know, there was a guy calling me, I remember a French guy, very, very good. He, he was like, yeah. you know, he was asking this kind of permission-based opener and I was like, shit, 
what what can I say to get rid of him? I was like, well, you know, I was like, yeah. And then he just like kept, kept, you know, making me talk. And I was like, I was seeing, you know, unfolding in front of my eyes, the fact that I could not resist this technique, even if I knew everything about it. <laughs> and I want to say, man, you know, I, I know. And then he was super tough. And, and uh, in the end, you know, it's like, he didn't sell me anything. But again, the goal, call is, the goal is to, to set, set, sell the meeting and, and not like a close or anything, but just we had a great conversation and I had a great experience with this guy. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a pretty smart way to do it because then, it's so much easier to do because you're not getting rejected or whatever. And when people yeah. reject you, they maybe had a good chat and it's not you, but it's really like the, they just don't, don't have the need. So I think it's, it's pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. And I would say eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, the person will at least be like, okay, cool. What do you got? You know, yeah. what's going on? And again, it, it allows, if we have some empathy here from the prospects end of the thing, um, end of the call, most people that call them, don't allow them to actually opt into the experience. They pick up the phone and someone just starts talking a bunch. Hey, we do this and we're awesome. Yeah. And like, I want to uh, meet with you and do a demo. So that in itself is a pattern interrupt, like you said yeah. too, you yeah. know, just allowing them to opt in. Um, so yeah, that, that's one that you can do pretty simple that works yeah. really well. Uh, the second one that you can do also has to do with um, really like giving the person their autonomy and is allowing them to, in an email, tell you if they are interested or not mm -hmm. without committing to a meeting right away. Yeah. So a lot of times, like when we uh, are cold emailing, what we don't realize is that prospects are like super busy mm -hmm. and they're overworked and they're short on time. So what we do is stuff like this. I don't know if you've seen this, Diva, but we say stuff in an email like, uh, hey, I'd love to get two minutes of your time or I'd love to get five minutes or we shorten the, the, the amount of time mm -hmm. that we want from this yeah. person. So instead of asking for time, just ask for interest. And you yeah. could do a combination of the two, but where I see people really going hard, we call it going hard in the paint, mm -hmm. you know, basketball lingo there, right? Yeah. Hard in the paint, um, is that people like get really aggressive with like, can I get 15 minutes of your time? Mm -hmm. Are you free to meet tomorrow at 2.15 p.m.? Uh, does 2 p.m. on Friday work for you? And it's these really hard asks. And again, a yeah. few of those is okay, but if you sent six emails to someone, like with those hard asks, I'd be like, dude, you're blowing me up right now. Yeah, yeah. So I had Chris Von Hune. He's a, an AE at Xerox here in America. And he really likes using these soft call to actions. And I love these too. This is what I mostly use in, in emails. And it's, hey, you write the email. And then at the end, you say, hey, open to learning more. Does it make sense to connect? When does it make sense to connect? I like interested in chatting further. Or hey, does this sound interesting? Is this a problem you're having? Like any variation of that that's open-ended, that's like easy to say yes to. Yeah. What's hard to say yes to is me committing 30 minutes of my time yeah. to you. Yeah. So it's just expressing interest, getting yes, cool, awesome. Well, I'd love to share more with you. When does it work for you to chat? Then you can book the meeting. So it's like treating it like a two-step process with your yeah. emails and getting a response. Because getting a response the other thing is like the person's kind of opting into that experience. They're raising their hand. You get to see someone that's interested and guess what's in their email signature most of the time, their direct contact, yeah. a mobile phone number, right? So you can call them now too, right? So it makes it a little bit easier to, to follow up with a person. Okay. I really like that. I use it almost, I mean, now I just basically use that all the time. I say, are you interested in learning more? Or as you said, a variation of that was mostly after like, uh, there's an article on uh, that Gong done on that where, as, as done on, that, yep. on, on the email kind of CTAs. And the first one was like, do you have time to chat tomorrow? 
or do you have time to chat tomorrow at 2 p.m. or are you interested in learning more? And you basically had, there was 10%, 15% answers and then 30% or something like that. And so something I, I've observed works really well. And for me is overall in sales, that's something I really like is, um, is whenever you understand what it means for the other to take your call or just to invest the commitment in, in you know, it requires. If you ask for a two hour demo upfront, no one will take that, you know? But if you say, as yeah. you said, like uh, you just ask for a proof of interest and they say yes, and then, you know, you get some more smaller commitments. They used to say, get to yes. I don't really like this kind of thing, but like for me, that's why whenever I do a call, I end up a call or everything. I always ask for a small commitment, like a next step and everything. Not yep. so much to have this locked in, but to check the, uh, you know, if the deal is really something that's happening or not. Because often people, they, they give you like uh, indication that they want to buy and everything and you get super happy, super excited, but it doesn't mean they actually commit. So small commitment is always asking for the commitment is always a great way to, um, to make sure they, you know, they, they just, if there's an objection, they will give it to you and they say, oh no, I, I can't yep. because of X, Y, Z. And then you can address that. So, yeah, it allows you to gauge their interest. Yeah. You know, and Chris Voss talks about this in Never Split the Difference, which is a really great book, just around the psychology of yes. And oftentimes people say yes just to get rid of you. Yep. And don't actually really mean it. <laughs> yep. So you got to kind of know what what is a good yes and what is a bad yes. And a really easy way to do that is allow people to have an easy way out. Yep. You know, so it's like saying things like, and hey, if now is not a great time, totally feel free to let me know. Get to know, allowing them to say no yeah. easily. And there's also, you know, going for no too, like the going for no oriented questions like, hey, would it be a bad idea if we discussed further, mm -hmm. you know, um, like those types of questions where the person is not going to say yes, where they'd be like, no, it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, that's like another variation of questioning that yeah. you can use that's pretty interesting too. Yeah. That's, that's one thing, like this kind of negative reversing. Uh, I, I use that a lot because I, I'm, I'm so, um, you're, you're married, right? I've, I saw a post that you were yeah. married. And, uh, and so uh, it's going to be a bit of a cliche there. I'm married with, and I'm not married yet, fiance. And what I found is the best way to, uh, to express that is that my mom, for example, with, with my father or my fiance with me, whenever she wants to do something and she knows I don't want to do, do it she's always taking taking this negative stance saying she says oh so you're not coming with me tonight uh, at the bar with with my friends and i'm like huh i didn't say that i'm gonna come and, she, and then <laughs> hey you want to come with my come, come with to me with me to the bar and see my friends i'm like oh no not again and, she's, oh. <laughs> and every day you know it's oh she's in sales so she's really good at that and she's always that's awesome whatever she wants and so that's what i found is very often in couples see how you interact with your you yeah. know your or wife or husband and often you see there's this kind of negative psychology that is in there because I, I don't know why but people are tend to really react well to that yeah that's the best place to practice man yeah because the person's going to be super honest with you yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um i have a question actually on um sure uh, to, like one one month and a half ago i was in switzerland at my parents place and um, I don't know what they've done with their phone number, but they get called like five, six times by telemarketers trying to sell them some insurance or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I got so pissed at this guy because he was calling me and say, hey, we have, you know, started, you know, didn't ask anything and started saying, we have uh, experts coming into your, your place, you know, in X, Y, Z days. And I was like, okay, that's, that's not true. They're trying to, you know, to just like uh, invent something. And they say, and they want to do like a free assessment or whatever of your thing. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. And then they just started just like practicing their, their, their script. 
and I basically just like I I, I hang up or hang yeah you could call that hang up. Um, so because I knew this was all fake, you know everything that they were telling yeah. me were all invented, you know, in part of the script. So what's your your feel on having scripts and giving scripts to SDRs or people who who are doing call coding? I mean, I like that talk tracks are kind of a good mm -hmm. blend between a script and like a checklist, you know, yeah. kind of workflow. So I like having stuff when you're teaching it fairly scripted out. So, but there's certain portions of it that shouldn't, shouldn't be scripted in my opinion. So your intros, I think should be very scripted. The way mm -hmm. you open up the cold call, once you figure out what works for you, have one or two variations of that that you can use depending on, you know, the vibe that you get from mm -hmm. the person and go with that. Do that the exact same way every time. When you start to get into, okay, so the person says, yeah, you got 30 seconds and you're starting to say, well, hey, I saw this thing, mm -hmm. right? So the personalization piece. And then I typically go into, you know, people that are like you, I typically have problems like this. And here's one of the things that we're doing to help them. Uh, that part of it shouldn't be super scripted. Mm -hmm. The thing that you're finding, the personalization is not going to be the same for every time. The problems that that person has related to other personas, that can be fairly scripted. It's going to be fairly repeatable, but you don't need to say those. I think people get hung up on the exact words mm -hmm. to say when it's really not about that's like, what's what it's like, what's the point that you are making? Yeah. Um, objection handling, same way. Um, I think people treat it like a rebuttal where there's like a magic phrase that I can say back to you when you say not interested. Mm -hmm. And I think you should just really be more in the moment and follow the framework. Yeah. You know, how do I empathize with this person, validate, and then offer? So Evo is the, is the way that we do objection handling. So like, for example, that might sound like this. So if you're like, hey, not interested, Jason. Um, hey, totally understand, yeah, Tivo. Uh, I'm calling you right in the middle of your day here. Uh, and if that's the case, if I caught you in the middle of something, probably, probably not a good time to take a call. But hey, would it be a bad idea if I took, you know, about 30 seconds, I could tell you why I'm calling. And then, you know, you can let me know if you want to keep chatting. Yeah. You know, that's like not a scripted thing right there. That's I empathized with you and told you like, hey, I, I get where you're coming from. I validated, hey, it's totally okay that you would think that. And then I made an offer. So I like to, I would say the intro is really the only hard thing that I want to script. Mm -hmm. And then the, the close of the call, how I wrap yeah. things up and schedule a time with the person. I want that to be fairly scripted too. Yeah. In terms of like, I need to find what works best for me. The stuff in the middle, I just need to follow a framework. Yeah. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Never heard it this way because often it's like either all scripted or not scripted. But it's just like whenever you're doing a discovery call, for me, I always uh, teach and, and do it this way. I start with an agenda agreement, which is uh, always very clear. Like it's always the same and like yep. a roadmap agreement, basically, where it's always the same. And the in-between is just more conversation, but you start and end in one way. So you have more control over the start and the end, which is super important. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's really cool. And he, he came from uh, Skip Miller. Uh, you know, Skip, we, we discussed about yeah. that. Uh, he has his, um, I think it's like Summarize Bridge Pool, SVP. And it's, you know, it's the, the way he's kind of like ending the call. There's this kind of framework, always very simple, Summarize Bridge Pool. And, uh, and, you know, the way you start the call where you agree on the outcome and the next, next, he calls that. So it's like, what's happening is like, if next, next call is actually successful, not this one, the next call, what are we doing? And this is just like time traveling. He calls that it's super exciting, super nice. So it's, uh, yeah. I, I really like this, the kind of scripting of these first parts and in between more, more free basically. Yeah. I I'm a big fan of skip stuff. So selling above and below the line, 
great book. Um, I always recommend that book to SDRs to understand a little bit more about the personas. Yeah. Because you can't sell to a manager. You know, let's just take sales, for example, right? Selling to an SDR manager is way different than selling to a VP of sales. Mm -hmm. The SDR manager is like on the ground level working with the people like they're, they're really feeling the pain of their reps not being able to schedule meetings. The VP of sales is not like probably going to know what those folks are sending in their emails or how they sound on cold calls. They just see that their sales targets aren't being hit, (laughs) you know? So those are very different conversations that care about very different things executives typically are not the users of the products that we are selling either. Yeah. You know, so there's a bunch of stuff we could talk about there, but that, that's a great book. I always yeah. send people to that book. I mean, if you have the chance to attend one of these trainings for me, uh, I had, I did one and this what this is what I'm doing, what I'm doing now. Changed my life. Like I really, I, remember yeah. I was three months in the job. I went to the training. Oh, and cool, I, was like, man. I was like, okay, that's bad because I'm going to have to quit my job to do exactly what he's doing. And so uh, it really is cool. Now I'm, I'm also like a proactive selling partner in Europe. And uh, we, you know, we, we chat very often with, with Skip. It's like, I just That's love cool, the, 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 the approach he has. And he gave me, you know, as you said, this kind of speaking Russian, speaking Spanish or speaking Greek, you know, like the three level people are speaking whenever you're talking to VP, uh, manager or, you know, individual contributors. And this mm. is just something it's, it makes so much sense, but it's like, you know, when you don't know about it, you just talk about the same USP, whatever features and everything. Yep. And so no, it was really uh, very impactful. So really cool guy, yeah. really great book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and, man. And so do you have any favorite play in your, your plays? Is there one, you know, that you always use and you just like love this one? Um, so I kind of talked about the empathize, validate and offer. That is a play. Right. You can use that with not interested, not right now, now's not a good time, whatever it might be. And it follows the same kind of thing. It's like mm-hmm. empathize. Um, hey, sounds like I caught you at a bad time. Or hey, sounds like I caught you right in the middle of something. Or if someone's like, we already have a solution. Hey, sounds like you're already taken care of. Right? I'm going to yeah. empathize with them. Um, so they already have a solution. That's a good one right? for, for SDRs. Uh, empathize. Hey, sounds like you're already taken care of. Uh, validate. Hey, you're probably wondering why you want to continue talking to me if you guys already have a solution in place. Yeah, so I'm validating them. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, would it be a bad idea if we, uh, if I spent just a minute or two explaining, you know, and talking about the, the folks that we're working with that used to use the solution that, that you're using? And if anything, I could share some insights into how they're accomplishing this or how they're solving this problem. Yeah, okay. And just go. And that's not going to work every time you do it. But at least what you're doing is not arguing with them and saying our solution's better than that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, really or cool. hey, wouldn't it be cool if, like, if you got something to compare with? You know, it's like you're not using these like stock BS rebuttals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's my favorite one because objections always come up, and some of them are legit, some of them are shallow objections. I call them where it's very, you know, not interested is not an objection, mm-hmm. right? Not right now is not an objection. Like you don't really know the root reason behind that, and being able to disarm the person because, like we talked about earlier, you know, people. You know, they don't really like to reject salespeople. I don't, I don't, unless you're a sociopath, I don't feel like people like to reject someone. Yeah. So what they end up doing is not telling the entire truth because mm-hmm. it's not, they don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. You know, so we can't go in and assume that just all prospects are liars and that we have to call them out in their BS. It's like, no, we got to disarm them and get them comfortable. Yeah. And you do that by emp- using empathy. We talked about relationships earlier. Like, hey, when you're having an argument, if you just kind of stop and like, hey, sounds like you're really frustrated and. I think for probably a really good reason, because I said I was going to do this thing and I didn't do it. Yeah. You're totally right. 
they're going to be like, oh, okay. And, and, then, and then they're going to listen to you. You know, so it's, it's, it's you know, kind of that, that dynamic is, is really important. So that's one play. And the, the other one I have is super simple. I don't know who came up with this, but when you send an email, if you make the second email, any thoughts, question mark, and they just put your name on it, that gets a really high response rate. Okay. So you send an email with, you know, like whatever, and then you just send another one, any thoughts, that's it. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to try this one then. Yeah. It's a super simple yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of responses from this. And, and the, the thinking there is that, again, I always point back to what's it like on the receiving end of your outreach. Mm -hmm. So if I get six emails from you, T-Bond, they're all really long. Like when I see six emails in a chain, do you think I'm going to go back and read any of those emails? Probably not. Oh well, yeah. But if you send me an email that just says any thoughts, it kind of forces me to look back okay. at the previous email. And it's also a way to follow up without sounding super needy. Yeah. That's super cool. I'm going to use it so much because it's a, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I remember I had like a power play whenever I was doing cold outreach a while ago, it was, um, I was just saying, Hey, just sent you a bunch of mails. Here's two choice. You know, you're either, uh, you're not interested or too busy. So just tell me what, what is it? Because I don't remember exactly the formula, but mm -hmm. I remember I put it as a template in Tautop at the time we were using Tautop in the company. And yeah. now <laughs> I, I'm not where this company anymore, but I know, new SDRs still use this template that I've created because it works like crazy. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was, and it wasn't the same thing, you know, where I was just like, Hey, just gave you a lot of info. Now just tell me, is it yes or no? So, you know, we get, uh, we don't waste each other's time it was really working, yeah. working well, but the, any thought even much better, I think. Yeah. And you can use all different variations of that. So when we're sequencing, typically the sequence will have six or seven emails in total. And then you mix in four or five phone calls, a couple mm -hmm. social touches, right? Typical stuff. Well, those six emails, I think a lot of people struggle with the content for those. So the way that I recommend spreading out the content is you probably have two or three big problems that your product or service solves for people. Email number one is going to focus on problem number one. Don't waste that email that you spent all that time writing. Just send a second email that says any thoughts. Mm -hmm. Third email will focus on, so that might go out on like a Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. And then the next week on that Tuesday, you'll have a third email go out that's focused on the second problem. And then Thursday, you can use a variation of any thoughts. Any thoughts on that case study? Any mm -hmm. thoughts on this problem? Uh, any thoughts on this particular thing? Like you can use different variations of any yeah. thoughts. Okay. But the point is like you wrote this great email don't bombard the person with content, but also try to get them to look at the previous stuff that you sent them without saying stuff like, Hey, did you get my last email Yeah, or, you know, anything like that? Yeah. I really like it because often that's the thing, as you said, is like this value-based follow-ups take a lot of time. And mm -hmm. uh, if you just like send stuff, assuming people will not read it, then maybe they also can feel it. So they say, okay, it's another thing. So I think having, trying to have this conversation is really a, it's really a good idea. I really like it. Very, very good thing. Um, there's one question I have for you. Um, I've seen that you are, you have been on almost 60 podcasts. Um, mm. Seems like you have some, something there where you have a technique. Can you share what's your technique to get invited on podcasts? Uh, well, the first 30, 40 of them, I cold emailed those people. Okay. So I didn't get invited on those. So this was at the beginning of 2018. One thing I was just making a really big focus of was since we moved from done for you, like appointment setting into more training and coaching, you know, a lot of training and coaching and being, you know, sought after in that space is having great social proof. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you can build social proof is by aligning with other people that already have social proof in your industry that do what yeah. you do. 
So a lot of people that do stuff like we do, uh, T-Bot, like are against like teaming up with their quote unquote competitors, which I always tell people like that's like kind of the equivalent of going out on a Friday night and saying, and you're single and you want to go out and meet people and you say, I'm just going to go by myself because if I meet people, they might be interested in my friend T-Bot here. You know, when in reality, it actually gives you a lot of great social proof by having good friends, right, in that setting. So it's the same sort of thing, man. So I just looked at people that already had that social proof and the audience in place that I could add a lot of value with by talking about cool content. Mm -hmm. And I just sent a cold email. Uh, One of the first people I emailed was Jeffrey Gittimer. Uh, He was someone I, first sales book I ever read, Little Red Book of Selling. I was like, I'm going to get on this dude's podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just sent an email saying, hey, I listened to this episode. I've been a big fan of yours. It had a video in it. Uh, here's what I like about it. Um, what I was thinking that we could talk about that would be really valuable for your audience is video prospecting. So how to send a video like this one yeah. so they can get meetings. And here's a couple other podcasts where I've talked about that. Any thoughts? Would you, would you, would you be interested in uh, chatting? Yeah. You know? And then what I would do is like send examples of stuff that we could talk about. Because that's the biggest thing as a podcast host that people want to know is, I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of outreach for people wanting to be on your podcast, right? And one of the hardest things is like, if I don't know this person, I got to look them up and figure out what I would talk to this person about. So why not spoon feed that person that information? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I did that. I got on like 35, 40 podcasts that way. And then now I get invited on more um, just because I've been on a lot of them. So I don't have to quite do that as much. Um, but yeah, okay. so there's no, no secret to it. I think it's just like, what's in it for the other person? Yeah. And how can I be proactive about inter- introducing myself to them? Exactly. I think you said something, they, it's something I've actually understood also like what, uh, maybe a few months ago is often, you know, you see um, when people go on podcasts or write blog posts or are invited to webinars or to talk at events, everyone from outside assumes they got invited. You know, they say, okay, this person got invited because she or he has like some fame or is recognizing these in, in he, his or her industry. Yep. And often it's, it's not the case. You have to, you have to feed the, you know, like you have to do it yourself and outreach. And then people will automatically assume you got invited. And then they will like the social proof that we build is like, okay, this person's legit because they got invited. But very often people are not invited to stuff. They are just like, they, they, they have to start, you know, and if you're Gary Vee or whatever, yeah. You get invited everywhere. It's easy, but this takes a lot of time. And for me, for example, yeah. I'm a, I'm a guest writer at G2 right now. I, I wrote like a, a blog post on, on how to build an SDR playbook. I didn't get invited. I kind of like I have a I have a crazy story around that, but uh, I kind of managed to uh, to to get uh, you know like the VP of uh, so the general manager email on my show. I got his wife yeah. on my show, and then he introduced me to the VP of SEO and content who came on my show. And then you know I asked him, okay, is there any way I could help you guys with the blog post? And he introduced me. And so as the VP of SEO and content introduced me to the uh, content manager, she thought I was a big deal. So she said, okay, let's give you like a huge article that has top, like top visibility. And then I got it. And I was like, okay, this is all kind of engineered. And it's not like I got invited because uh, I got like better things to say than others. It's just because I worked it. And so I think that's the, the learning about that is, as you said, is being proactive and, and really showing intention. And uh, this video you sent where you say, hey, here's the video I'm doing. And it's kind of, uh, it's a great way you show already results. And people are like, okay, I'm, I want to invite, invite him because like, I see how he talks. I see how he looks. I see what he can deliver. And, you know, like I'm reducing risk because I know this guy can perform a good interview. And, and that's why. So I think that's uh, the, 
the thing for people who listen to us is just like don't don't think that people are invited they just like work their way to that yeah dude i never even thought of that you bring up such a good point because i always kind of thought that too like oh these people are getting invited but most of the time especially when you're getting started and you don't have a best-selling book or like anything like that um the you got to be proactive about the relationships you create in your industry and everyone that i see that is you know just hyper successful was very very proactive about their network and surrounding themselves with people that they want to be like Mm -hmm. and that's another way that you can think of it it's you know it goes so much further than just being a podcast guest it's like you're going to start finding people in the industry that you're going to become friends with yeah. that are several steps ahead of you in your sales career or your career as a business owner or whatever it might be, you know, Skip Miller's one of those people that we talked about, right? It's like yeah. that's someone that's been doing like what we do way longer than we have, right? And he's got a couple books. He's coming out with another book, you know, and like being friends with people like that, that you really jam and vibe with, that's a way that you can accelerate your own success. Mm-hmm. And also we talk about empathy a lot in this podcast you know, you can talk with people that will be able to have empathy for you because they've done what you're doing before. Yeah. It makes you feel less lonely, especially as a business owner, man, <laughs> right? When you're talking to other people that like know, like they kind of know what it's like, you know, to be yeah. you, man, and to have the, the struggles that you have. And we need that as salespeople too. Yeah. It's like, how many people are you friends with that also do sales? Because they're going to get what you're going through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's, and when you think about it, it makes so much sense. It's like, it's when you, you understand that for me, that there was like a point of, uh, I realized that I remember I started thinking, okay, I need to be public and just like build a, a personal brand last October. And I basically got in touch with uh, Richard Harris and he took time to actually uh, explain me and he super, super cool. He took like 30 minutes to, to really, you know, show me and I was like, okay, I can make it. And then I discovered that I had so much control compared to what I was expecting simply by being proactive, you know, and, uh, I got Justin Welch on my show. I got like, uh, I got you on my show. I got t- tons of, of really cool people like from different areas. And then you create, you know, you create this network. And in the end, it's just, it's just like, yeah, as you said, you create friendships, you create mentorship, you create opportunities. And so it's actually, it's a lot, I would say it's a lot of work, but it's a lot simpler than people think it is. You know, I think yeah. you, and often what we do is we compare ourselves to, you know, let's say if you say, okay, I want to be like Gary Vee. You look Gary Vee right now you didn't see the 20, 30 years of work he has put in, in there, you know, and when he started, he was no one, you know, and then he kind of built that up and I'm pretty sure he's still building it up. You know, it's just like a ton of work, but it's, uh, you have to be proactive about it. Yeah. Yeah. Be proactive and be patient. Yeah. You know, if you're just getting started in sales in your first couple of years or your first couple of years in business, I mean, blissful prospecting, like I've been consulting and helping companies with this kind of stuff since, you know, end of 2013, mm-hmm. blissful prospecting, we started in December of 2017. You know, okay. Sometimes I got to remind myself, I'm like, shit, we've only been doing this for a couple of years, two yeah. and a half, three years as a, as a company. So, and there's also, as a business owner, there's a lot of other things you have to worry about besides selling, right? There's <laughs> yeah. how you package your products and like, you know, your programs and, yeah. you know, how you market yourself. I mean, there's just so many, you so know, right? Stuff, I mean, there's just yeah. so much stuff to do outside of just selling, which, which makes it fun for me. You know, I like yeah. that selling is just a component. Uh, of what I do. And there's so many other things to keep it fresh because I love marketing too. Yeah. And that's really what's awesome about prospecting to me. It's, it's like, it's the blend of sales and marketing uh, exactly. together, which, which is pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So uh, I think we're nearing the end. So for me, I, I just like want to give you uh, the chance to actually uh, talk about 
uh, anything you want to talk about, pitch about anything you talk about. So how people can get more of you and, and you know, what should they check actually uh, that you can, uh, you know, like, what, yeah, what do you want to talk about basically? Sure, man. I, I think right now the big thing is the tour. So the Think mm -hmm. Outside the Script tour that we brought up earlier, it's, it's free, it's live. Like I said, that's at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. Okay. And the other thing that we have too is we run boot camps where if you want help implementing you know, what some of the top SDRs and BDRs and AEs do in their prospecting to get better responses from their cold emails, cold calls, et cetera. Uh, that's on our website too, or you can find it at blissfulprospecting.com slash bootcamp. Okay. And that's kind of cool. It's like a six week kind of sprint where you get access to a course and on-demand content, and then also group coaching from me to kind of help troubleshoot. And you get a one-on-one -on -one actually with me too, to help you with your messaging. So that's kind of a cool uh, little deal right there as yeah. well. And I would say those are the two things and then I recommend people check out if you're interested. Okay. One's free, and then if you're wanting extra help, I would check out the boot camps. Okay. And so if they want to, people want to get in touch with you, where, where can they find you? Uh, blissfulprospecting.com is okay. the hub for okay. everything. Yep. Okay, perfect. Good. So I'll put all the links there. Um, can I put your LinkedIn uh, profile also in the, in the episode notes? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, now you have 20,000 followers. So, you know, that's the thing is now you get, you get a lot of requests. So people have to make sure they mention the right thing that brought you there. Otherwise, you can, you know, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll accept anyone that doesn't try to pitch me in the connection request. Okay. So you don't got to say anything magical. Uh, just don't try to sell me your shit yeah. in, the, <laughs> in the connection request. <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming. That was really, really insightful and and really nice to talk with you jason and um yeah i wish you a great day and talk soon then absolutely thanks man